You're listening to episode 58 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody, here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and Delta, I could really use you to fill in for me because I've been sick. You came up with that in like that serious, like that 30 second span of time? Oh, yeah, man. Gotta work fast. As a team, John, teamwork is at the core of this week's inflation deflation challenge. And that it was. Uh, dude, so uh, Xbox Day, we haven't played an Xbox game in a while. Or and, actually uh, at all. Yeah, and we didn't even realize how well this was going to tie in this week with the news. But we'll get to that in a little bit. John, what'd you pick up this week? So, pickups this week are actually pretty sweet. Uh, as you know, PlayStation has the uh, Titanfall 2 and monster motocross or supercross it's on there for free games so i'm gonna get those i haven't had a chance to download them yet but i did pick up speed punks on the playstation one very much a nostalgic game my brother and i got this game probably obviously 20 years ago and yep it is right there on the playstation 2 i remember seeing this at like blockbuster and never ever have i played this game in my life dude the game is awesome we'll actually have to play around uh before you head home it's pretty flipping sweet. I would say it's honestly one of Sony's biggest misses. Like if they would have really capitalized on that, they would have had themselves like a great racing game to continue using through the years. Well, is it like uh It's like a Mario Kart style thing. Well, yeah, but like, I mean, I feel like uh Crash Team Racing was pretty big. Yeah, but it's on everything. Like now it is. It wasn't like their own IP. Like that's their own IP. Oh, okay. so like they could have seriously gone with that and put in like other PlayStation characters over time, like in that style of art. Dude, the game's awesome. Like you had different cubes for weapons and such. It's not a whole huge variety, but multiple racers. And then you have like these coins you could pick up, which have like a turbo boost mm -hmm. and are shortcuts. And it's you just got really everything cool. you yeah. want out of a kart racer. Exactly. And it, it wasn't bad. My brother and I put hours upon hours into that. Funny enough, I had texted him. And said, hey, uh, I just got a, a PlayStation game, or I just got a game uh, for us to play when you get here. And the first thing he says in the message is, it better be Speedpunks. <laughs> like, no inclination as to, like, what I was going to buy. I didn't tell him it was PlayStation. Like, nothing. I just said, I got a video game for us to play, and that's the exact game that he put down. So, are there a lot of games from your childhood? Like, I know there's a lot of games. Like, we just played your copy of Empire, or no, Return, last week. Yeah. So... Are there other games that you don't necessarily have? Like, you played this a lot as a kid, but this isn't your original copy. Yes. Yeah, so, so is there a lot of stuff out there that you have these memories of that you haven't picked up for some reason? Or are you just waiting? Like, did you just stumble across this? Or was this something that you sought out because of those? So Speedpunks was kind of a random... I was just kind of sitting there playing a game and just reminisce for like a second. I'm like, Speedpunks. I remember playing that. I'm like, I'm going to buy that game right now and see how much it is. And okay. It was like 10 bucks like for the game. So I'm like, screw it. I'm going to pay $10 to get this thing. See, I'm surprised that you wouldn't have already gotten all of those things that you didn't have from your childhood. So a majority of the things that I had in my childhood, I actually have here in my collection. Yeah. So, so you're a, not missing too many. No. And the ones that, funny enough, are missing are my complete in box PlayStation games. And I do have a lot of those. The problem is, is when I was a kid, I was an idiot and opened up all my cases and had, you know, hey, I'm going to put all these in a nice disc sleeve. And oh, I'm not yeah, going to yeah, keep yeah. them within the case itself. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of PlayStation games that I owned that do not have the original cases. So they're all down and, you know, where I grew up, mm. but I don't have those physical copies here. So every now and then I'll pick up, you know, something that I remember from being a kid. Uh, but for the most part, all my Super Nintendo games are my original copies um all of my game boy games are my original copies my dreamcast sega games that i have i think the only sega game that i picked up recently that i did not have my childhood copy was carnage and okay. that's because i never did get i had the the uh, black cart i never did have like the a complete cart. in box red cart which yeah. is what i wanted so yeah i mean a majority of that stuff is original so uh who knows maybe one of these days we'll go through a john's childhood binge here and just play a bunch of my old games I mean, so. it, we better, or we might as well. Yeah, we got I mean, a lot to pick from. Yeah, there there are quite a lot. So, and dude, there's like, I've noticed like other collectors like, oh yeah, I got 3,000 pieces. I'm like, how in the hell do you have 3,000 games? Like, it's taken me years just to get to this. I don't know if it's uh, 
just people with more money want to pump out more money and get more games or if they're just having crazier pickups than I am. I mean, it could be like some of those people that have the massive collections probably pick up like when people dump theirs, you know, because if somebody has like a full set of something and then they want to move on and collect something else, usually I've found or I've heard other collectors say that they'll sell a complete set as a thing instead of selling each game out individually, because for the most part, anybody who's already into collecting is going to have some of that more common trash that they're just going to have to resell themselves anyway. So really you kind of just get as much as you can for what you got. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these people are when they're buying those bulk collections, I guess are paying a little bit lower, but they're probably paying a premium at the same time though. You just know, depends I'm, on how much you already own of the collection and want to keep. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not interested in paying like two, $3,000 for a collection of games. You know, I'll, I'll go and buy my, you know, 50 games and, dump about 20 out in the market just to you know recoup my losses type of thing yeah. i'm not interested in the big bulk bulk collections so yeah uh well what did you pick up i didn't pick up anything but i did pass up on a 39 cent game on the nintendo eShop. you passed up on a, a game less than was it because it wasn't a dollar uh, no, it just did not look like something i would ever play and i was like this so it wasn't worth pulling out the coin purse nope not at all. So all right. I, I think that maybe the eShop, it has so many games in it now that there's really a lot of stuff out there that's just not worth your time. And I'm wondering if that's going to become a problem like what Steam has in its library. I mean, it's already so hard to navigate the eShop because it's not as well set up as Steam is for really finding and perusing what they have so i think that maybe over time nintendo's openness to indies may become a kind of detriment if they don't have some strict curation now it's never going to be as bad as steam with like the asset flips and stuff like that but still over time it'll become pretty crowded in there i got you man well uh playing wise i'm already looking at the script that we have here and uh, there's a certain game missing. I have not played any Zone of the Enders yet. I still have two weeks, and it'll get done, and that's where we'll leave that. Okay, so what are you playing? Uh, I've been playing more Cave Blazers while I've been sick, because uh, I'm about 30 hours into Final Fantasy now, and I finally busted out. I've got, like, the nice big, you know those, like, double book special edition guides that they were releasing for like kingdom hearts and final fantasy back in the two thousands with like the big white box and it's got the art sleeve and then like whatever variant cover. So I finally broke that out just to kind of be like, whereabouts am I in the story? And I think I've still got like 14 more chapters or something left, but I feel like I'm about halfway through the game and the stakes are kind of starting to ramp up. You know, I feel like I'm a lot further, I think, than I was when I played this originally. But that was so long ago. That was all the way back, like, when I was still in high school and the game came out, I played it. But uh, last time I picked it up, I went through and I wiped all of the... In this game, you have these license boards that are basically like your job skills. So you select which job you want for which character and each person can have two jobs, but the jobs can only be one person. So there's tw six characters, 12 boards. Nobody can be the same thing as somebody else. So I went through and I rebalanced and changed everybody's jobs around from what I've been playing with them up until now. And I felt like immediately this kind of like huge power spike. And I feel like this game has, if you have the patience to go back and you really want to min max stuff, there are probably really good ways where you can get much stronger by starting over because you realize very quickly that like, if you're playing the game organically, you're going to get like the armor set one. And then the armor set two and then three and four and all the way up to like 
12 or whatever some of these like the accessories there's like 20 accessories that you can unlock and then usually those make up kind of like the main pathways and those are surrounded by like some extra damage here and some extra health here and stuff like that but if you're already way later in the game and you already have the better armor, you don't actually have to spend the points to pick up those spots and you can just pick up all the auxiliary stuff that actually makes you stronger along the sides and just not even bother with those. And I feel like you can really, if, if you waited like every five or 10 hours and reset it, you will probably get some major power spikes in your characters. And that's kind of a way to, you know, I feel like give you the resources to I've always felt like in final fantasy games, like especially in 10, I would reach a boss and I would just be like, there's no, I'm just not strong enough. I just, I fled from too many fights or, you know, I just didn't take my time getting here and now I have to go grind. Like it's impossible for me to get past where I'm at. And with the, the focus on combat and the gambit system in this one, I feel like combat's kind of secondary. So rather than just having you boringly run around and have your guys fight things automatically, this is a good way to get around that grinding system that is so prevalent. And I think it's a really kind of innovative idea on that back end. Yeah, that's one thing that's always bugged me in the past about a lot of RPGs is the aspect of having to grind. And that does sound like a breath of fresh air. So... When I give it a shot, I'm probably going to be pretty, pretty stoked about it. Yeah, either that or um, we've both played Nino Kuni, and yeah. they had that one enemy kind of late in the game that gave you like three levels for every one you killed, so you could just grind that one enemy and power level. I feel like more, more JRPG-style games need to have a way for people who aren't into the grind to get around that grind. And I feel like that'll really give you a little more engagement. Yeah, I could see that, man. It does kind of, in a sense, take away, though, from the fact of grinding is one of the, the core things that we've always come to know about Well, JRPGs. you could still do that, but you could get around it if you don't want to do that. I guess, yeah. Yeah, Because it I is a pain. That. It is a pain. It takes a long time, like, to go back into the boards and replan all the stuff and make sure like okay i have these armors so i only need this one and like certain things like when you're planning the two different boards you don't buy the same thing twice so if you buy this plus 100 health well if you switch to the other board then that plus 100 health might be over here and you don't have anything else around it but now you can start branching out from that side. So if you jump back and forth between the two boards, you can really jump around and get exactly only what you need and, you know, have a lot left over for what you want. But it takes time and it's meticulous and it's, it's you know, bookkeeping. Yeah, a lot of people sense. who aren't into the bookkeeping might be more interested in just doing the grinding. That makes sense. Well... I'll give it a shot when I get a chance, man. It's uh, on the list, as well as so many other games. So, as far as what I've been playing, Sekiro, uh, of course. I'm almost done with it, actually. Yeah, and if you guys haven't seen John play Sekiro, you can check it out on our YouTube. That's right, we have a YouTube page, The Game Deflators. We post all our podcasts up there, as well as some great gaming content that John likes to upload. I wouldn't say great gaming content, but it's, you know, anytime mediocre gaming content mediocre that gaming John content. likes to upload. It's usually whenever I beat a boss or something in a game or have like a, a core cut scene or something, I like to upload it. Just for one thing, other people like to watch them whenever they get a chance. And then I like to kind of look back at them, too. So it's pretty cool. Uh, but either way, I've been trying to catalog whenever I beat a boss in Sekido. I've been trying to upload it pending the time. Some bosses are just... You know, it's based off PS4's time and uploading it. I, I'm not hooking up the, uh, you know, the screen. What is it called? The Elgato. The Elgato, yeah. I'm not hooking up the Elgato to my PS4 and computer and all that while playing. Um, but yeah, so uh, I've gotten to, I'm in Fountainhead Palace. It's actually the last area of the game. And it's not like this game is taking me a long time to play and in fact funny enough like i've watched a couple videos after the fact of other people playing certain bosses and i've gone through like a few boss fights with less than they have and they've struggled i'm like that's actually not bad on my part in fact i got so pissed 
So I finished beating the True Corrupted Monk, which took me probably like 40 tries to beat. And after I beat, I didn't tell you this earlier. So after I beat the Corrupted Monk, I looked at my prayer beads and I looked at my memories and I could have leveled up in both attack and in health for that battle. Mm. I went all 40 tries without doing that when I, I basically handicapped myself in that. And I still, you know, came out on top and, and defeated it. But like all these other types of games, like the Souls and Bloodborne type games uh, that they have, there's always a pattern. So it was just a matter of, you know, continuously grinding it out and saying, okay, he's going to make this particular move whenever he does like these three slashes. I got to jump or I got to hit um, the actual Mikori uh, dodge or mm -hmm. counter, which I believe, I think it's Mikari or Mikori, where... If they stab you, you can actually like jump on their on their you spear. You do like the head jump. At, at, well, no, not the head jump. So, say you were coming at me with the spear, I would pretty much like take my foot up and stomp it on the ground, and then go ahead and counter uh, and hit you. Because there's like a slash one, a stab one. Like there's a few specific counters that you have to do the correct counter to get. Yeah, and if you don't do the correct counter, you you get fucked. Get fucked. Yeah, it, like <laughs> and it hurts. So this one in particular, if he would hit me twice, I was dead. Yeah. Like one hit, half my or over half my health is gone. Second hit, I'm done. Like there's no way around it. So it was like, okay, I just got hit. I got to run back and heal and then go back into battle and like just dodge and counter and jump around and swing off of trees and such with my prosthetic arm. It was great. Uh, it was a lot of, a lot of time trying to beat that boss. But once it was all said and done got to the next area and we we're good to go it funny enough this week though it felt like every single time that i finished a boss battle there was another boss battle like yeah. not too long after that so i don't know if it's because i was skipping around levels too much or if it's just the way the game is set up does it's like does feel like it's more dense with bosses than the other soulsborne series games kind of so because it has mini bosses which there's some mini bosses in those other games, but for the most part, it's more just mobs. And in this game, the mobs are kind of more diminished because you can just like sneak kill them. Yeah, I mean, you can sneak kill like the boss that I just won against, a true corrupted monk. You actually, there's a window of time where you're actually able to do a death blow mm. with like, like just knock out a bar right away. So with this one, you start out the battle. And you go ahead and do your first death blow. And then he turns in like the shadow figure or it's a she, I can't remember. But the monk turns into a shadow figure and starts to slash you from all different ways. Well, there's one particular branch in this area that if you hang on top of it, you're high enough to where the shadow figures can't hit you. And so you'll notice the monk is kneeling down. If you just jump over it at the right time and hit the death blow marker, you'll knock out the second bar of health right away. Mm. And then they turn into um, an immortal at that point of like these centipedes coming out of their body. At that point, it comes into the third bar, which was super easy because all I had to do is hit my firecracker um, prosthetic and just like kept firecrackering and then hitting like four times. Firecracker hit four times. Firecracker hit four times. And like that was it. It was such a cheese move. But given the amount of times that I went against that boss, I deserve to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and as far as the denseness is concerned, there's like 45 bosses in total. If you include mini bosses, I would say like big, big bosses. I've maybe faced like five mm. in the whole game. Everything else has been mini bosses and they're all like crazy good and they're crazy hard in their own respect. You have like these headless bosses that you can go against and they do terror damage. So you have to continuously avoid them. If you get your terror bar all the way up, you die instantly. Mm. Like there's no way around it. You could be at like three fourths of your health left. And if your terror bar is up all the way, you die. Mm. Like it's just stupid stuff like that. Certain enemies you have to attack with divine confetti, which gives you like this purplish thing to your blade and lets you hit apparitions. And you can't beat these enemies unless you have that. So right now it's actually where I'm at. And I just got to the part where I can start purchasing Divine Confetti. So now I can go back and beat those other mini bosses. Um, and so they're all very much spread out. I, th I think I had noted to you earlier today, there's four different endings to this. So there's like the Shura, the Immortal Severance, the Return of the Dragon, and then there's uh, one other. I forget the name of it offhand. 
Uh, I think it's the Iron Code, if I'm correct. And so you have like different opportunities within the game to kind of change your path and how the ending is going to be. So it, it offers some replayability in that respect. And some of those bosses, like there's bosses that I can't actually battle right now because I'm going through a particular ending. So if I want to do those boss battles, I have to go ahead and, and replay the game in New Game Plus. Can't you just make separate save files? Nope. It's like a Souls game. You auto like you auto save in certain areas. Like but you automatically can't create like a new I can check and see, but I'm already past that point anyways. Like I'm oh. I'm already so far down the path of where I need to go for this. I've maybe if if I was Well, to, how many times have you gone back and played the other games from mm, software? None. I haven't gone back to do new game pluses. Uh, well, Demon Souls I did, but that I don't think it was from software, was it? It might have been. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So um that's the only one I've done a new game plus on. I don't know I would do a new game plus on Sekido, but I might to try and get a trophy. Because mm-hmm. that would be a pretty cool accomplishment. Platinum on, it. Yeah, if I platinum Sekido, that'd be awesome. So, all right, enough about Sekido, dude. What's in the news? So, today in the news, we've got... In no possible universe should Microsoft make the Xbox Series X cost $600. This is by Paul Tossi at uh, Forbes. Now, we all saw there was a lot of stuff that went down this week. We'll try to cover as much as we can. So, we've got the new Xbox, the name, the Xbox Series X. It is two GameCubes stacked on top of each other with zero handles, and um, I don't really care. Yeah, For I, the most part, we've only talked about the PS5 here because that's all we've really had news on. And now that we know that Xbox is doing a different weird name thing again, why can't Microsoft stick with like, well, I guess it's like Nintendo too, Nintendo Switch, Nintendo GameCube, Nintendo Wii, Well, Wii but U, the like, Wii and Wii U, that was a misnomer and that misnomer could have cost them a lot of business. Now that we've had the Xbox One X... And now we're getting the Xbox Series X. Like, there's a lot of grandmas out there that need to know how distinctly different these naming conventions are. Yeah, I do see your point on that. And, you know, PlayStation obviously has gone through, or Sony has gone through out of PS1, PS2, PS3. So, like, you know numerically where you're at versus Nintendo kind of screwed themselves over years ago of Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and then... N64? Well, like I think it's I think it's fine to either have a different distinct thing for each console or to just do what Sony's been doing, but I think for Xbox to just like I don't know, man. Series X like a lot they talk about that in the article a little bit. And I've heard a lot of other talk about, you know, like, well, this leaves room like there was the Xbox 1, the Xbox 1S, the Xbox 1X. The Xbox One that doesn't have a disc tray, you know, all these different versions. So if they're going to make a bunch of different versions and they're going to be Series X and Series Y and Series Z, like, that's just... So We know that they're going to make more versions of them, but, like, do you have to tell that to us before it even comes out? I I don't know, man, like... Can we this, just get a console? Their whole I don't even honestly, like, I've seen so many Xbox Ones come out in the last several years. Yeah. I don't even know what's what. Yeah. Like, obviously, I don't own an Xbox One, but for a very good reason. Yeah, and I have no interest in owning this either. So uh, most of the talk from people is talking about how powerful it's going to be. And, you it's know, the article speculates that it, Yeah, the article speculates that it could be like $600, which is a lot. It's less than... You know, my super PS5, PSVR 2 bundle idea for a thousand, but it doesn't come with the Kinect, which the article talks about how the original Xbox One coming bundled with the Kinect. Yeah, you were forced to have was it. a problem that people w- didn't want, really, and it drove the price up and it gave PlayStation that big advantage in the price market. Yeah, and, and even in this article, it even calls out that they're suspecting that this may even come out without a controller added to it. I if mean, it comes out without a controller, I'll accept that only if it means they're not going to update the controller again. I know a lot of people are big fans of the Xbox One controller. I know that 
uh, at E3 this year, and we talked about it in an earlier episode. I don't remember which episode, but all the fancy, super fancy, schmancy controllers they have that are like $180. Like, for people that invested in that, to have to reinvest in a new console is already something. But to also have to invest in new, like, $80 to $100 controllers, like, just make your controllers backward compatible. If you're not adding new buttons or really changing things... Maybe it's time to just let people have, like, how many people still use their GameCube controllers with their Switch? Yeah, I mean, we use it all the time for Smash. You know, so it's like, just let people use the controllers that they have. It's not, it's not like it wouldn't work. You don't need to have a new controller. Yeah, good point on that. And if you look at the actual, like, artwork that they've released it does have the Xbox One controller on there. Next to it, yeah. Yeah, so that would make sense. Now, the whole potential $600 price point, at that point, just buy a high-end PC. In fact, it even calls out in there that if you were to take all the components from the Xbox, it would be $450 to put into a PC. If this thing costs $600, do yourself a favor, because Microsoft doesn't seem to want to do exclusives on their console. Well, and a lot of the exclusives they do eventually come to PC because that's Microsoft as well. And also you can get the games, the Xbox uh, Game Pass well, and Stadia. on PC now. But there's Stadia too. So buy yourself a PC for 600 bucks instead of this console. Have your Xbox One controller and you can do Stadia. You can do Xbox games that are ported over to PC anyways. And have a I, high-end PC. Well, not yeah. high-end, but a higher-end PC. I have a feeling that... This series of Xbox is probably going to be the last Xbox. You know, I'd agree with you on that. I feel like there will be a PS6, but I don't feel like there's going to be an Xbox 2. This right here, I think, is going to be the nail in the coffin for their Xbox series. Yeah. You know, it's going to come down to, does this perform well? Does it make the money we want? If not, Let's just stick to PC, and it seems that's the route they're going anyways. This thing's basically a desktop. I mean, if they just incorporate, you know, the idea of PC gaming at the TV, like a lot of people do, like, just release that. Like, instead of having it be a console, just have it be a PC and have it be in your living room. Yeah. I mean, that would make the, the most sense. Have it to where you can do other things than just gaming. Because yeah. you're releasing a tower that is about the same size as my PC from 2013, you know, and my PC's holding up strong and it's, yeah. you know, seven years down the road. Um, this does remind me, though, of like back when the PlayStation 3 got released at like that $600 price point. I picked one up around that time frame and fully regret it picking up that price point because i ended up with a yellow light several years later and had the whole issue of just not a lot of games initially at launch and it was just a high-end price point for this powerful console at the time Mm -hmm. you know nowadays just wait yeah that's what i did i waited for my ps3 until grand theft auto 5 came out and i got the bundle and i got a buy to get one free used and I got the Zone of the Enders collection, which I'm still playing. Mm-hmm. I got the God of War collection. And I got uh, Nino Kuni. So I got like eight games in the console. And, and dude, like if you notice one thing in, in the past of like Sony consoles, there's always support even a few years into the life cycle of the new console. Yeah. So my PS4, I'm going to be running with this PS4 probably in all honesty, another year or two. See, that's the one thing here at the game deflators podcast. We need you to tell your friends about us, get the word out, follow us online on social media. And you know, if you guys help, if you guys help get the word out and we can start getting some, you know, some people to notice over here, maybe we can bring you news on those new consoles that we can't afford. I mean, I can afford it. I just don't want to spend it. Don't tell them that. <laughs> we need the people. We, we do need, need the people to get the advertising dollars. We do need the people anyways. And yes, advertising dollars would be great to be able to get the name out there. Not a core thing, but, you know, it'd still be fun. Uh, like like I've told you in the past, dude, I'm always about holding off on a console. It's just like off my phone. I've got like a four-year-old phone. Yeah. I have no purpose in getting this newest console the potential of it breaking because there's some sort of bug in the system that, you know, bricks it like other consoles in the past. I've continued like constantly waited for each generation 
And the ones that have screwed me over have been the PlayStation 3, and that was it. Just a little PlayStation 3. The only one that I bought as like a day of launch is the only one that screwed me over, and I just don't want to risk that again. Yeah. Like, it's not worth it. Okay. Moving on. Moving on in Sony. Sony State of Play. All the big PS4 announcements from December 2019 stream by Jeremy Winslow of GameSpot. Now, if you watched the Sony State of Play, there was a lot that came out in that and a lot to talk about. So let's get started. John, what did you think about like the, the lineup in general? Like they tackled a lot of stuff in that 30 minute window. Uh, my comments is uh, I wanted a blue point games announcement. I'll leave I, that. Yes, I indeed you do. So the, the lineup itself I thought was pretty decent. I did find it odd that dreams was on there and dreams. I think was first announced in like, 2017 for the PlayStation 4 and it's now coming out 2020 like that that's a long time I never really heard of dreams but it did look like an interesting thing like I had heard about it years ago but and they you know I think it's by uh, same uh, molecule games I forget their full term but I believe they're the same people that made little big planet and media molecule I think is the name of the con or company and the game itself looks really cool. It's just... I don't know what it is. It That's the thing. Like, it's just so intriguing just looking at the artwork and what they're doing. It feels like a sequel to Little Big Planet, in a sense. Like, it's, it's a weird concept from all the videos I've seen on it. It's like... So, in the article... He says, uh, so grab your significant other and tell them you've found the perfect Valentine's Day plans, creating video games within another video game, because it's launching on February 14th. Yeah, I'm not buying it February 14th. (laughs) It looks interesting, but it's not something I'd pick up day of. And uh, I don't, it's one of those Sony games that they're releasing, and they're like, oh yeah, this is good, this can be hyped up, and then you're just like, it's not that great. Yeah, it, it it looks cool and it looks intriguing, but it's not something I'm going to be itching to play. Yeah, here, let's just run down through these real quick. So Untitled Goose Game coming out. Yep, been out for a while. Uh, I think that looks like a fun game. I'm probably not going to pick it up. I'm going to wait. If I did, I would get it on Switch. Yep. Um, okay, so this I want to talk about last. RE3. Because I want to tie it. No, because I want to tie it into our next topic which is actually going to be topic number four but we'll switch that with oh okay okay so anyways um and then there's uh oh super liminal did you watch the trailer for super liminal super liminal yeah it's like a perspective it looks like it's gonna be like the next portal no i didn't i didn't see that on the list i skip over that yeah so that looked super mind-blowing crazy cool it's like this whole game well we'll show you the trailer after this that looks like it's gonna be a fun thing should we show me the trailer now uh can we pause this of course we can pause this okay pause we've only done this like once before all right folks we are pausing this recording for a moment And we're back after that quick commercial break. So, I actually watched three trailers just because I wanted to catch up just in case. And Super Liminal looks looks really cool. Pretty awesome. It looks actually. like it's going to be the new kind of portal. In a way, it, it has like that perspective type of art to it. So, the one scene where you have like this little can and you put it up and then it just turns huge and yeah. drops on you. So, it's uh it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. Did they does it mention there if it's going to be VR as well? You know, that's something that it obviously looks like a VR title, but no, it's not going to be because the VR announcement they had was for Paper Beast, which, eh, I don't know. That looks all right. Uh, Also, Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC. I'm so pissed off about that too, man. I picked up Kingdom Hearts 3 when it was like 50, 60 bucks. Drop down to 30 bucks, and they're like, oh, we have DLC. I should just wait Every it. game's going to get DLC. Not every game. Sekiro doesn't have DLC. I don't think there's any plans for it either. Well, okay. Not every game, but every Kingdom Hearts game will every always have DLC. Every company not looking for a cash flow is going to be doing that. Biggest surprise for me was Predator Hunting Grounds. 
I am not a big predator person. I, I, out of uh, out of Alien and Predator, usually the one people like the most is Alien. Alien, yeah, but I've not really played any of like the AVP games either, and I've not really seen many of the Predator films. But just the fact that they're like pushing out like a like a good looking, you know predator versus human kind of asymmetrical multiplayer possibly game uh i don't know what the track record of those so predator games in general have always been pretty highly reviewed in my like knowledge of what i've seen in the mm-hmm. past and they def- and they hold up well from a price standpoint mm-hmm. so like i actually just had an extra copy of i think it was like avp on the ps3 well i know that a lot of those games have a hard time getting re-releases because of the rights so there's a lot of games that people don't really know who has the rights to because they changed hands so many times or games that are up on steam once those light rights expired they won't have those games available anymore yeah and you know i was actually it's aliens predators one i'm looking at so i think there was alien versus per concrete jungle that aliens predator like i said they've always held up in value for the most part and i'm not saying like 50 60 bucks but they've held up in regard to like you know in the 20 range yeah. and such over time and it's not that's not bad for a game it's just i think they have such a limited release mm-hmm. and such a small fan base in general that they don't release a whole lot yeah so except for like the alien game on ps4 um alien isolation like yeah that was really well received so i wonder if they're trying to kind of capitalize on you know maybe the go back of to a basics of predator like they went back to a basics of alien yeah, yeah exactly platinum games showing off babylon's fall i thought that that looked pretty cool that was it through, looks that's through square enix it looked like no it's platinum you sure i saw square enix in that trailer after more than a year of silence, Platinum Games has provided some additional insight into Project Babylon's Fall. Huh. I mean, it's another action game that, you know, Platinum's well known for doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, dude, Resident that... Evil 3 remake. Dude, dude, that I'm going to, well, I'm not going to click it, but that definitely said Square Enix. When you, check, when you click the trailer, it comes up as them. So I'm guessing they're... It's going through them as well. So the developer. probably the publisher. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So interesting. But dude, that looked awesome. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. Resident Evil 3 remake. Now, this I think is super smart, what they're doing with Resident Evil 3 remake. Uh, Resident Evil 3 is a smaller game than Resident Evil 2. So what they're doing is they're bundling that in together with Resident Evil Survivor or Survive, or whatever it's called, their online multiplayer Resident Evil game. So those will come out as one package. And I think that's a much better idea than trying to push... It was Resident Evil Resistance. Resistance. Okay, it's much better, I think, trying to than to push Resistance as its own standalone game, because you're only going to get so many people who are going to be willing to invest in that. So if you entice them to come in with the RE3 remake... I feel like they'll get a lot more bang for their buck out of that new title. And I think that... uh, Well, Konami did a similar approach with Metal Gear Solid 4 when they released Metal Gear Online at the same time. Like, you could play those through the same game. Yeah, but then they came out later and they tried to make that new metal gear offshoot thing after kojima left and nobody wanted any part of that well, it's because kojima wasn't there he, well like he's and the it was an online multiplayer it. game yeah he's... so that's the same thing with this not so many people i mean because it's definitely not going to be like a back to form like left for dead was like a really popular game a while ago but we haven't really seen anything to kind of fit that multiplayer zombie survival other than like the zombie modes in like the call of duty series. And even that's just kind of a rehash of what they've been doing for several years now. So last but not least out of this le- this list, I want to talk about uh Spellbreak. So Spellbreak is a new approach on a battle Royale game where instead of guns and building stuff like in Fortnite or, you know, what are the other really popular project ones? underground battle uh, yeah, there's, PUBG or yeah, PUBG. there's so many of them. Yeah, uh, and a- I don't play any of them. But Spellbreak is a 
version where you have magic and magic powers and that's kind of like their hot take on the battle royale so i think it'll be interesting to see something different i don't think it's gonna be successful though yeah i'm not just it necessarily looked, just that little bit of a trailer looked clunky it didn't look like yeah a game that you would there wasn't enough going for it so i think one of the key things for like fortnite is you have the ability to build stuff and then you have you know your weapons and other things going on there's a lot of Fortnite different... has a great art direction i don't think that the art direction in this is particularly grabbing no and you know Fortnite does have a lot more going on with it just instead of just spells yeah. and running around and, and it's not just battle royale there's more to it you've got guns and building and yeah, yeah versus this felt more like we're just running around and throwing spells at each other you know crazy like like there was no other purpose behind it from what i noticed in that trailer and obviously it's a trailer we're not going to get all the information we need but i didn't get enough from that trailer to make me want to buy this game and get invested in it so that leads me into our next thing uh so just three months after it launched in early access access planet side arena is closing down this comes from vicky blake at games radar now the planet side series has been published by sony online interactive or entertainment so we see that they have released this trailer for Spellbreak, an online battle royale game this was another online battle royale game and it was just in early access on steam and the article does a good job talking about you know how the company wants to make sure that anybody they let down by announcing this closure, they're going to try to get people their money back. They're going to try to be good about that. And that this was an ambitious experiment, which failed. Now, if you're not familiar with the planet side series, the planet side series is this like three faction war that's going on online and the idea is that when you drop into the battle, everybody else in the battle is also a person in the battle, whether you're in a tank or a mech or on the ground or in an airship, kind of like the battlefield idea. But instead of having like a 12 V 12, you've got like literally a thousand people. And as you move up and collect points on the map, you try to like basically get your faction to control as much of the map as possible. And that changes your spawns and, and stuff so you can keep like pressing your offense and there's a lot of kind of innovation this is a an old series that's been going on for a long time they've only had planet side one and two and i think those were in 2003 and 2012 respectively but this would have been the idea of a battle royale game but instead of one man out of a hundred winning you would have a hundred three person squads or 112 person teams competing that is absolute chaos and sounds like a really cool idea but the biggest problem is they just couldn't get the numbers they couldn't get enough people to invest in the early access to really be able to play the game the way it's meant to be played and that was their big downfall and i'm wondering if sony felt that this wouldn't be worth trying to push for and didn't give them enough support over this Spellbreak concept. And if they think that Spellbreak has a better chance of being a more popular, you know, hey, we're Sony, we're sticking our foot into the Battle Royale genre, and this is the game we want. Because right now they don't have their own that they're really pushing. No, exactly. And it makes me wonder, you know, the market's so saturated right now, I feel, with a lot of these Battle Royale and, you know, a lot of the games that are... Exactly. ...that are of that nature. And this is just another entry into that already kind of saturated market, which is really kind of maintained, for the most part, by Fortnite uh, at this point in time, from what I've seen. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to break through with that concept. It just doesn't feel... Like I said, the trailer did not give me enough to truly get me engaged with that concept. And the the story on Planet Side does remind me a lot of Sony's tried this in the past and has failed on it before. They had, I think it was Mag was the name of the game on PlayStation 3, which was supposed to be like a 500 person battle royale type of game 
online only through, I think it was Zipper Interactive at the time, and it was a massive flop. Just did not go anywhere. Mm-hmm. They tried this years ago, and under trying it again on another, you know, 300, 300, it's just too many people. You would have to have, you know, well over hundreds of thousands of players. I'm, I'm talking six figures plus players actively doing this on a day-to-day basis to have any meaningful, like, parody within like your matches yeah you, know, you would have to have a huge following yeah and getting getting a hundred groups of 12 players together to start a game at the same time yeah it's a it's lot of people too much there's no way it's a lot of people yeah that's a, a huge undertaking i don't even know why they would have even entertained it i get it but stick it like 60 or like 100 at most Going in that realm of like 900 300 people, minimum. 300 minutes, like all of that, no way. There's way too many people. Yeah. So uh, it's just one of those things I probably never would have gotten into, but because, you know, I, I don't play a lot of online games like I used to. Yeah. But it's still, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. So you I mean, go, it didn't even get past beta phase. Well, and that's one of the things. So this is what you risk when you engage with early access, but I think that we can at least applaud the creators for you know saying hey we had this ambitious idea we already see that it's not going to work we're going to stop this now we're going to try to get people their money back we're going to be good about it instead of like because they could have just kept bilking this they could have let this just run on until it died out you know and they could have been it could have been anthem 2.0 yeah they could have been bad about this so next up uh, last in our news, uh, talking about milking things, there are seven or eight Dungeons and Dragons video games in the work, says Jody McGregor of PCGamer.com. Uh, so they got an interview with uh, Wizards of the Coast president Chris Cox, uh, and they want to let you know that they got games coming. I mean, John, you just picked up games. I just got Neverwinter Nights, so it's clunky as hell, and I really wish they would have taken more time to you know, polish it up. Hopefully a patch comes out soon. Uh, they also released Icewind Dale and another game. I forget the title. Planescape and, Torment? Yeah, Planescape Torment. And then you had Boulders. The Boulders Gate series. Yeah, Boulders Alliance <laughs> 1 and 2, I think. Boulders, Boulders Gate, Boulders one, Gate and two. 1 and 2, yeah. So those have all been released. Um, those were through Beamdog? Beamdog, yeah. yeah. They, they are... Kind of the steward of the remastering of those old games, and they've done a pretty good job. I know I've mentioned before, Noah Caldwell-Gervais has really great videos on Beamdog's uh, revisions of these games, and even their own, like, kind of Baldur's Gate 1.5. I think it's... I can't think of the name of it, but they made their own interim game to tie Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 together. They fell a little bit short of meaning that original mark, but they did a good job. So, if cool thing, I actually went ahead and sent in uh, a message to him and said, hey, you know, game is super choppy, you know, clearly, you know, is unplayable in certain areas, you know, is there going to be a patch? And I actually got a physical response from a human being when I reached out and said, hey, you know, we're well aware of this, we're working on it, we're going to be looking to get something out hopefully soon. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, you know, that's to good. to actually reach out to the tech side of this and hear business back. and hear back from an actual human versus a generic response. So um, I believe in that article it mentioned Boulder's Gate Dark Alliance would likely be one of those getting remade or yeah, remastered. Well, a new, a new Boulder's Gate. Oh, just new in general. Yeah. Well, that'd be pretty cool. Well, and so this kind of approach, I've seen this approach before. This is the same thing that Games Workshop, Games Workshop is the creator of the Warhammer and Warhammer 40K series. A few years ago, they kind of just started handing their license out so that anybody could go out and start making new games. Yeah, so right here we've got Warhammer 40K Fire Warriors. This is a Tau game from 40K Universe on PS2. There's the Vermintide games. There's the Warhammer um, Total War series. So they said, hey, you know, we've got this great IP, but we don't have a lot of games. Let's let as many people take it and run with it, and whatever sticks, we'll just keep making more of that. 
And that worked really well for them. And now that D&D is kind of in its golden age, like people like to look back and think about like original D&D, like that was the prime days of D&D. But now, now you can go buy D&D at Target. There's never been a time in the past where you could go buy D&D at Target. You used to have to go to a special store. And if you lived in too small of a town, guess what? They wouldn't have one. So with that ubiquity, I think that if they start giving out their license and you get like seven or eight games that come out, you know, just throw it at the wall, whatever sticks, people will decide that they want to keep playing those type of games. And we're going to really come into a D and D renaissance of board gaming meeting, you know, games. I mean, we already kind of are there. If you look at things like stranger things, I think have helped kind of propel that in a yeah. sense. Uh, it's going it, to become fully ubiquitous in the media. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I mean, in fact, I was just watching uh, Fuller House last night uh, just because it's on Netflix and it's the most recent season. And they actually mentioned on their D&D mm-hmm. within that you know, episode, oh, we used to play D&D. That's pretty cool. Like, it's really kind of in that phase right now where it's cool again and people are playing it. And hopefully it sticks around for quite a while. And the fifth edition has been a lot of fun to play. Yep. I've enjoyed it. In fact, tonight is my uh, next step in the campaign. There you go. We are, uh, me and John are both avid D and D players. Oh yeah, dude. We're going to be going into the next phase of the Shadark high and, oh dude, it's so sweet. My drunken master is enjoying this uh, campaign a lot. So we should probably talk about that more a little bit on these, uh, episodes in the future. Yeah. I'm, uh, we, it is games that we're currently playing. It is games that we're currently playing. Maybe we'll, uh, get some D and D maybe we could do, Oh, I've got an idea. We'll talk after this. Anyways, moving on to this week's inflation deflation challenge. John, what do we have? Star Wars Republic commando on the Xbox. So this game was developed by LucasArts published by LucasArts directed by Tim Longo and released back in February, 2005. It got a pretty good, reaction kind of sevens and eights across the board it actually felt really good playing this game and 2005 really yep it felt like newer than that oh 2005 but graphically it's actually held up then in 15 years it has held up pretty well see that's something that i'm gonna take a contrarian position on because this is back in the days i don't remember or i don't know if you all remember or you know whoever's listening out there i don't know how old you are but if you were around in 2005 gaming, you would have noticed all of the brown. There's a lot of brown going on. And, and green. this game was super brown in that first level. It was, from a distance, it was hard to tell exactly what you were shooting at. You knew that they were droids, but they actually had to change the droids color to like a, a silver gray instead of the normal brown because there was so much brown. If they were brown, you wouldn't even be able to see them. Well, and that's, we only played like the first part of the campaign and we only played that one particular like deathmatch area. I wonder which how was many, Blood Gulch. Pretty much, yeah. It was basically Blood Gulch yeah, open, without the other base. Yeah, we opened up with some team death or some 1v1 deathmatch just to get a handle on the controls. And it was like, it was like playing half court Blood Gulch. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. Not, uh, the only not the one gun though. was really any good. Yeah, that would have been a game that I would have enjoyed playing with eight people, for sure. Was there more difficulty settings? Because in the main game, I found it just ridiculously unchallenging I for did that not, first level. I know it was just the first level. I did not catch anything difficulty setting-wise when I was setting up. There very well could have been, and I missed it. But yeah, you're right. It was super easy, that first area. Now, I'm sure it gets harder as the game progresses. Because it was just a tutorial. Exactly. It wasn't too far in. But I can tell you from that little taste that we had, I would want to play this with two people. I would love to play this with two players in a campaign, like a Halo, and going through well, the whole it's, thing. But that's not the point. So this it, is... It isn't a point. It's this a squad was game. a squad-type game. So the idea was, you know, you're... And they really instilled this to you in kind of the beginning of the story there, that, like, you're a commander... That's your role. You've got these three guys that are going to roll with you through this game, and they all have their own specialties. Picture SOCOM, but Star Wars. And instead of you having to do everything yourself as a one-man soldier, you tell this guy to blow that up. You tell that guy to hack that door. You're still hitting A and waiting for a bar to load, but somebody else is loading that bar for you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's about right. And uh, they're loading up the explosives while you have the detonator in hand. Mm -hmm. That, That too. 
Dude, I, I liked it, though. Yeah, I thought it was a good amount of fun. But, John, how much is... Is is this game worth that amount of fun? What's this game go for? A uh, loose nineteen nine or nineteen ninety eight. Whoops, wrong one. Uh, nine ninety eight, and uh, it peaks back in June thirteen, June of twenty thirteen, uh, twenty one twenty five, and then complete in box, which is of course what I have, twelve sixty one, and the peak of twenty seven dollars in April of twenty eighteen. That's a massive drop off when you look at that, but. This game was seriously back in 2015, 2014, if I recall. Um, we were selling it at the game store for like 30 bucks. Oh, 35. really? Yeah, so that $27 does not seem very far off. If it was back in like 2013, 2014, I'm a little shocked that there's a $27 price tag in April of 2018. Mm-hmm. Little shocked at that. Um, at $12.61, though, yeah, I think it's worth it. I mean, I think this it's game honestly... got a good reception. Uh, the deathmatch mode was fun. I could see, you know, once we progress further in the game, if if it did start to present some more challenges. And I'm a, I love Star Wars, and I really like the story of the Clone Troopers. I've watched the Clone Wars series, both the original animated and the 3D one. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And I really like the stories of the clone soldiers themselves. So seeing... A game where you get to be in the soldier's seat, but have a little more authority than just being, you know, one of the soldiers. You're a commander. You've got, like, actual characters around you instead of just, like, clones. Like, there are clones, but, I mean, they're they're distinct. You know, they've got their own color scheme going on. So I think that for 12 bucks. You could probably do a lot worse. I don't think that that's a bad price to pay, but I think that the $10 loose is too much. I don't think I would ever pay $10 for a loose Xbox game. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't either. And when you have the hanging fruit there of twelve sixty one for a complete in box, pay the extra three bucks or really two seventy, basically two sixty three. Five if you throw in shipping and handling. Yeah, exactly. I would actually say a complete in box copy, it'd be worth 15 bucks for a complete in box copy of this game. It's not a bad game. The campaign is pretty cool. It does have local deathmatch. So if you got four controllers and a couple buddies that you can bring over a few buddies, go ahead and play a deathmatch. Like it's, it reminds me of those old Halo days. Very much so. Yeah. And the grenades and the sniper and everything yeah. else. Like it had a really good feel to it. The jump button was a little odd in that it was. I think Y Y. or X. Uh, But other than that, that was really my only qualm. I thought Mm -hmm. the game itself was pretty decent. So So you're going to call it deflated? Yeah, I'm going to say it's deflated at 1261. I think with the campaign itself, had some badass intro music. Uh, So you got the campaign itself. You got some local deathmatch. It controlled well. It looked good. Got Um, good reviews. Got good reviews. It's come down in price quite a bit. Yeah, it has, surprisingly. So I'd say 15 bucks is probably about what this game is worth. All right, we're going to call it deflated. So I'm going to write that down. So hopefully in the future, we can just have a massive list of inflated, deflated, and our other pieces just right. Yeah. Where if it's, you know, right where it needs to be in terms of value. Goldilocks. Goldilocks, yes. Or it's just a nice inflated balloon. Perfectly, Mm -hmm. perfect fleet. Okay. So uh, what's our next game? Uh, We... Jedi Fallen Order, have you gotten after Gamefly, or do we have to red box it No, still? we're going to have to track it down on a red box. Okay, so that'll be our last game. We'll probably do that not this week, but or next, not next week, but the We'll just have to week. pick it up when we can. Okay, yeah, that works too, and then we can just play it. I think we should do... Are you thinking maybe Jedi Outcast, I think is what it is, or Jedi Order, I believe is the game title. It's on a GameCube. Jedi Outcast right over here. Yeah, it's the one on the GameCube. Yep, that one right there. Have you played that one before? Yeah, let's play that. All right. Next week, GameCube, Star Wars, Jedi Outcast. Sounds good to me, man. Well, check us out on social media. Yeah, look at the Game Deflators. And on Twitter, Game Deflators, because they hate the the. They can't handle it. Podcast is located on all of your Apple podcast applications as well as your 
uh, Android applications. And if you don't see us on one, just shoot us a message. Let us know we're not on that podcast and we will be on there or that podcast app. Also, don't forget, check out John's Sekiro coverage over on our YouTube channel as well. And subscribe, 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 subscribe and five star reviews. Don't forget five star reviews. So I apologize for my horrendous voice this week. Hopefully next week that's all better and uh, we'll be getting down to it and I'll be uh, hopefully telling everybody about Zone of the Enders. Well, the thing is your voice is always horrendous, so I don't think there'll be much of a difference there, sir. All right. Well, I'm John and this is episode 58 of Game Deflators podcast and I am joined by the sickly Ryan. We are... The The Game Game Deflators. Deflators. That was off, Ryan. We'll have to work on that next week. I'll, I'll get you the... uh, you know, I'll give you that. You're sick. Thanks, everyone.